we're looking at blood in the scriptures um, continues on and I want to hit on the power of the blood but the idea is if you look at Leviticus the fourth chapter it's in the Old Testament So I just, I just kind of like that. Leviticus chapter 4. You'll see that this is about the sacrifices, what the priests had to do. I shared that last week before the priest could come up and offer sacrifice on behalf of the people. He had to offer a sacrifice on behalf of his own self and his own family and then sanctify the holy place and then, you know, offer the sacrifice for the people. Because if he wasn't right, then um, God wasn't going to hear him. And we heard about when they go into the Holy of Holies, what did they have to have on them? It's funny, that not kind of funny the other day, that it's in, it's in, Bud's, it's in Bud's heart, he knows that. Because... Uh, I was out there, and then Sunday I said, cover me, I'm going in. And he said, do you need a rope? <laughs> All right, bud. <laughs> he was going to tie a rope on my ankle in case he needed to pull me out, you know. But, but, <laughs> but praise God. I mean, but see, that shows there's some word that that works on the inside of you, you know. And, and so I, I'm going to just... Pick it up over here. Let's see, where am I looking in? Okay, let's see. I said Le Leviticus 4. That's what I'm looking for. Um, let's look at verse 22. Then I'm going to start talking about the, the, the contrast between the Old Testament and the New Testament and the blood that was given and the contrast between the blood of Jesus and the blood of the animals. And, and so... 22, Leviticus 4.22, and when the ruler, isn't it interesting? I didn't do this on purpose, but the, when the ruler has sinned, done somewhat through ignorance, uh, uh, I praise God, we can apply that to the leaders, right? And, and against any of the commandments of the Lord concerning things which he should not do and is guilty, or his sin, wherein he has sinned, come to his knowledge, he shall bring offering the kid or a goat, Made without blemish, and shall lay his hands on the head of the goat and kill it in the place where they kill the burnt offering before the Lord. It is a sin offering. And the priest shall take of the blood of the sin offering with his finger, put it on the horns of the altar of the burnt offering, and shall pour out his blood at the bottom of the altar of burnt offerings, and he shall burn all his fat upon the offer on the altar, the fat of the sacrifice of peace offerings. And the priest shall make an atonement for him as concerning his, his sin, and it shall be forgiven him. So, and, and there's other scriptures that, that say that, even in the same chapter, if you, if you, you know, even skim through it right now, you'll see again where the sin shall be forgiven. But the idea is when their sin was forgiven, that means, you know, they, they, they had their day of atonement. It was a covering. And their sin was forgiven. Right? But what did it change? I mean, aren't you glad that we don't have to, you know, take a lamb or bring it on Sunday and then the pastor has to kill it and then spread the blood on the altar and then, you know, go through all this every time that it comes to your mind that you sin rather than just go to first john 1 9 you know first john 1 9 right uh right everybody know that scripture and uh who could who could say it first john 1 9 <laughs> all right you can't be wrong if you if you read it so but the thing about first john 1 9 i i found out is we can go to god and and we don't have to go through all the, you know, the bullocks and the lambs and, and the kids and the goats and all this. And our sins are forgiven in a sense. And I'll explain that in a minute. But what does it say? Yeah. 
Because if we, if we confess our sins, and that, that word confess means to say the same as. Okay? It doesn't mean that we go to him and we, uh, you know, bawl and cry, God, I did this, and God, I did that. And, you know, we could be there for hours. And, and, and that's not what he's saying. He's saying if you confess your sins, if you're in agreement with him that what you did is sin, he said he's, he's going to forgive you. He's faithful to forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. All right? And that just keeps us in, 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 in contact with, with God who is holy. Right? But we've already been established as the righteousness of God because Jesus became sin for us on the cross. But in the Old Testament, their sins were forgiven, but it didn't change who they were. Okay? And their sins were forgiven, but they didn't become a new creature. Their sins were forgiven, but they didn't get power over sin. Their nature wasn't changed. Their sins were forgiven, but they didn't have power over Satan and his influence. Their sins were forgiven, but they were still under the power, authority, and influence of the enemy, the devil. And, and the thing about it is, and you read through the Old Testament, you don't, you almost see nothing about the enemy, the devil. That's a revelation that we get in the New Testament. That he walks around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He doesn't tell, the priest doesn't say, okay, I, I, we, we've gone through this and your sins are forgiven, but be careful. The enemy is going to come back and try to tempt you. The enemy is going to come back and try to have his way with you. The enemy is going to come back and, you know, use his sway over you because you're still under the authority and the power of darkness. And you don't see any of that there. You know, and, and so they don't, they don't understand it yet because, again, I shared this with you the last few weeks that these are people of the flesh. They're not people of the spirit. And, and here they are, they are forgiven. And, and even in the day of atonement, it's kind of a temporary forgiven. And it's kind of a getting, giving them credit for their sins, credit against what was to come, who is Jesus dying on the cross. And, and so I just want to look, look at Romans, the, you know, say, uh, make sure I get it, the third chapter. And some people say, well, they, you know, the Old Testament saints, they weren't forgiven. They were forgiven. But heaven wasn't open. If they were to die, they're not going into, into heaven glory, as we call it. And the Old Testament saints died. Where did they go? Purgatory. Nope. Did you say purgatory? <clears throat> Abraham's bosom, or as they called it, paradise. Remember when Jesus is on the cross and he's talking to the thief? He's, today you shall be with me where? Paradise. Because why? At that point, that's where Old Testament saints went. Heaven wasn't open. The, the heavenly utensils, in a sense, had not been cleansed yet. Jesus hadn't risen and, you know, come up to the Father and enter in as the high priest and, 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 and cleanse the holy place. And we can look at it and say, well, was sin so terrible that it affected the altar in heaven? I'll leave that up to you. I don't, you know, but think about it. Why would Jesus, as a high priest, have to enter in to that place? And remember, whatever was done on the earth, it was just a, a, a shadow or a, you know, symbolic of what was done in heaven. So when God told, you know, uh, Moses how to build the tabernacle, there was a copy of what was in heaven. So, we are looking at this and let me just get to that scripture. Romans chapter 3. We look at talking about these saints being forgiven and we know that Jesus was slain for before the what? Foundation of the world. Right. And so, look at verse, 
It's hard to start just in the middle of anywhere. Okay, verse 21, chapter 321, Romans 321. But now the righteousness of God outside the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto all upon and upon all them that believe, for there's no difference. It's talking about the Jew and the Greek, you know, Jew and the Gentile. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We're all in the same boat. That's what he's saying. And being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Remember, he's talking to Jews now who are still trying to live under the law and judging Gentiles as people that are failing in their eyes, failing before God because they don't meet up to the law. So he's given this teaching we're all sinners we're all in the same situation and so the verse 24 being freely justified freely by his grace to the redemption that is in christ jesus verse 25 whom god hath set forth to be a propitiation or reconciler through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins or the passing over of sin that are passed through the forbearance of God. The sins of the past. He's not talking about believers. He's talking about the Old Testament. And he's saying that, that he, he, because it says through the forbearance of God, that means God tolerated what they did in the Old Testament. But as long as they operated under the sacrificial law and they offered the lamb and they and the blood was spilled, then they were covered. Because God was looking for the day with the thought that Jesus was slain before the foundation of the world until the manifestation of him on the cross. And fulfilling that, looking back in the Old Testament, saints, they were truly forgiven. But that was with the view of looking forward to what Christ has done. But at the same time, with the understanding that it was already accomplished before the foundation of the earth, the world. It's like, yeah, mind-boggling. But it's there. We were forgiven before we even sinned. So how come we can't trust God that what he has done for us on the cross, that we just can't believe him? And walk in that forgiveness. You know, so look at, look at Hebrews. We'll look over at Hebrews for a moment. The ninth chapter. Hebrews has so much in here about the Old Testament, the Old Covenant. And really, the, as you go into Hebrews, in the, especially in the beginning verses of chapters, there's a comparison. Jesus is better than Moses. You know? Jesus is better than the angels. Jesus, you know, it, 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 there's a comparison. And, and you go looking at it. Well, then he's going to talk about the old covenant compared to the new covenant. The old sacrificial um, way of forgiveness compared to the new one. The blood that was offered in the old versus the blood that's offered in the new. So as you go through Hebrews, that's, it, you'll see that. Kind of a pattern. And we look at the ninth chapter, and we're see we're going to start. Okay, verse six. And these things were thus ordained: the the, the things that the priests had to do with all the utensils that he had to deal with, the pots and the whatever he had to clean. But the priests went always into the first tabernacle to accomplishing the service of God, but into the second went the high priest alone. You know how the how how the, the tent was set up. And the, and the priest can enter the first part, but only the high priest can go behind the veil, right? And so this you, you see it's pretty clear what he's saying. And he goes, only the high priest alone could do that. But once a year, or every year, but not without blood, which he offered, again, remember, for himself, and then for the errors of the people. The Holy Ghost is signifying or points out that the way into the holiest of all 
was not yet manifest while the first tabernacle was yet standing. Right? So they couldn't. I said that they were forgiven, but they couldn't enter into the presence of God like we are already in the presence of God. There's a difference. You know, when we're forgiven by the blood of Christ, then it's a whole new world. We become new, new creatures in Christ Jesus, right? We, we became, we become more than a conqueror, overcomers. We be, we become, uh, we actually we're sitting in heavenly places right now. We suffered with them. We died with them. We, uh, raised together with him and we're made to sit in heavenly places with him in the old covenant. They walked away with forgiveness of sin. And that was just the program until Jesus comes along. But there's, it was a figure to come, he says, verse 9, for the time then present in which were offered both gifts and sacrifices that could not, look at that, could not make him that did the service perfect. And again, as pertaining to the conscience. So they were forgiven, doesn't mean their consciousness of sin was removed. And how is it that if the blood of Jesus removes the consciousness of sin of the believer today, then why do they still have it? Okay. I guess that's what do you call one of those rhetorical questions. You don't have to answer. We'll, we'll get into it as we continue to read. But here, verse 10. I'll go back to verse 9. It says that it couldn't, it didn't make them perfect. Now we're perfect. Colossians tells us we're perfect. The word perfect means complete. Colossians tells us now in Christ we're complete. We're full of Christ. We're full of God. Old Testament, they were forgiven. But God couldn't live in them. He was a holy God. New Testament, the blood cleanses us. And then we are set apart for God's purpose. That means we're holy, sanctified, and now God can live in us. Old Testament, forgiven. New Testament, it's a whole different world. That's what we're saying. And so, verse 10, and they stood only in meats and drinks and diverse washings and carnal ordinances, carnal ordinances, imposed on them until the time of reformation. These are just things done outwardly in the flesh. These were not things of the spirit. Remember, Jesus says in John 4, 24, that, that the Father is coming and the day is coming that we'll worship him in what? In spirit and in truth. That None of that happened back then. Not at all. So it is, there is a difference between the blood shed by the animals and the blood shed by Jesus. Just, just by looking at that, but verse 11 but Christ being made, become a high priest of the good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, the heavenly one, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place, once into the holy place, where the priest had to do it over and over and over and over, having obtained eternal redemption for us. Settle the matter. Eternal redemption for us. That means past, present, future. And that doesn't mean, like some people want to say, when we say that, we're, we're giving people license to sin because, you know, I've said it and you've heard this probably so many times by so many other ministers. You don't need, you know, people don't need a license to sin. They'll just sin without one. So we're not offering that. But it's the truth. We have to know that our sins are truly forgiven. The Old Testament saints, they were dealing with the moment. You know, if our sins were forgiven, why do we have to do this every year? Our sins are forgiven, then why why every time I have a consciousness of sin, do I have to come and knock on the priest's door? Excuse me, I, I have a lamb, I have a goat. I, I, you know, we need to deal with this. The sin consciousness, you know, and they, can you imagine that? And so here we are, eternally forgiven, the, the redemption, and for the blood 
of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer, sprinkling the unclean, sanctified to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offer himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. And I talked about this last week, the, the eternal spirit, not the Holy Spirit, but God himself offered this blood eternal. It doesn't know any change. It doesn't know any weakening. It doesn't run out. It's as good then or good now as it was then or however you want to put that. It, it, it purged your conscience. That's what the blood can do. It couldn't do it in the Old Testament. Aren't you glad that, you know what, we don't have to. Let me put it this way. If you can remember what happened in the past, but you don't have to believe that it has any effect on you now. Otherwise, when we're talking about identification in Christ, you're going to identify yourself more with the damage that Adam did than the work that Jesus did. So yeah, we, we can remember what we did in the past. That has nothing to do with who we are now because we've been forgiven. It's just that don't believe that what happened in the past has an effect on you now. Believe the word that all things have passed away. All things are now of God. Remember 2 Corinthians 5.17. So look at, look at the next chapter. I was going to say the next page. Chapter 10. Because we're talking about the consciousness. I might as well just move on and carry on about that for a moment. And he says here, verse 1, chapter 10, 1. For the law having a shadow of good things to come and not the very image of the thing can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the comers there unto perfect or again complete. Couldn't happen. For then would they have not would for for then would they not have ceased to be offered? If it would have made them perfect and complete, then they would have stopped it. You know, the worshippers who once purged should have no more conscience of sin. If Paul, you know, the writer here thinks it's important to say this twice. No more sin consciousness, just like he said in the ninth chapter, verse fourteen. But in those sacrifices. There is a remembrance again made of sin every year. A remembrance of sin. Well, when you have Holy Communion, Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me. He doesn't say, do this in remembrance of your sin. We know that when we go to him, that's an opportunity. He says, whether we be in the faith, we have that opportunity. He says, be careful that you don't take that unworthily. And, and a lot of people can interpret that to say, you have to come to him before you can take this communion. You better sit down for whatever long it takes and confess all your sins. Or Paul says, if you don't do that, then that's the reason that many are sick and weak and many die. We, we know that. We see that in First in uh, Corinthians 11 chapter. But to take it unworthily is not, it's to take it not according to the Holy Spirit. All right? And you do, you do look at this and you do uh, take it worthily. You, you take it into your hands. Like you say, you, he took the, the bread and he, he took the blood and it, it, it's a, it's a picture of what they did in the Old Testament. I, I think I shared that with you when it was the food of the priest when the, it was called the ordination. And they opened their hands and the animals that were cut up were put in their hands with the blood and all. And they lifted it up before God. And as they lifted it up before God, because then now they're considering, investigating, in a sense, what this means. And that's what Paul's talking about in 1 Corinthians 11 chapter that he said Jesus told them about. They're considering the meaning of this. What the bread means, what the sacrifice means, what what this this is all about. That's taking it unworthily. That's taking it worthily to understand. And when we remember, Jesus says, take it in remembrance of me, we're taking it in remembrance of the sacrifice that he gave. 
Nowhere does he say taking remembering your sin. Like here, they they every year you got it. Why we, Daddy? Why we got to go down there with you know these animals? Because sin constantly remember constantly in their conscience. And then he says over here again, verse three in, in, in Hebrews 10 chapter, but in those sacrifices there is a remembrance again made of sins every year for it's not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sin. Wherefore, when he's, he cometh into this world, as is Jesus speaking, he says, sacrifice and offering, thou would it not. You really, it's not really what you wanted, but a body you has prepared me. And in burnt soft offerings and sacrifice for sin, you had no pleasure. See, this was a, this was a, this is what God came out to saw, to say. We, we saw that in the scripture in Romans. This, this is what's given for the way to reconcile man back to God. It was temporary, but that's what it was. That was his plan. Leviticus 17, 11 says he gave us the blood. The purpose of the blood was for our redemption. The purpose. And, and over here, but he says, but he still said he had no pleasure in doing that. This was a system that he worked out. He said, well, why did he take so long? Okay, just give you a real quick understanding. You know what? Man had to learn the lesson. That sin ends up in death. And they saw the only way they could be covered because of that sin was through the death of the innocent victim over and over and over and over. And the idea is hopefully one day you say, can't there be another way? If there's another way. Didn't even Jesus say that? Father, then all things are possible unto you. If there be another way. Imagine that. If there was another way, Father. If there was another way. With you, there, you know, we, I would find it in you. And he said, but then it was as if God is saying, or just being silent. Jesus responds by saying, so nevertheless, not my will, but yours. That was the only way. The only way they could, they could, they could be covered. And so there was no other way. And, and, and so look at verse 15. And when he comes in, oh, where we're at? Verse 7. And, and, cause I said he had no pleasure in that, but that was, that was the only way that God ordained that, for, you know, we get forgiveness from sins through the blood. And then I said, I, lo, I come in the volume of the book. It is written, uh, of me to do thy will, O God. And above, when he says, sacrifice and offering and burnt offerings and offering for sin, that would not, neither has pleasure therein, which are offered by the law. Then said he, lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He takes away the first, and that he may establish the second. Takes away the old, that he may establish the new. The old covenant coming in the new covenant. He's going to establish it. He even said that when he was disciples, when talking about you know, the blood, the blood and the, and the bread, you know, here's the cup, which is the blood of the new covenant, which is given for the remission of sins of many. It, you know, it's all through the word. And we look at that is what he's saying for the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. Here we go again, once and for all. The Old Testament sacrifice couldn't do this. The New Testament sacrifice, Christ did it. Then every priest stands daily ministering and offering the times the same sacrifice, which can never take away sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins, forever sat down at the right hand of God. Remember on the cross? John 19.30, what did Jesus say? It is finished. It is finished. Paid in full. That's it. It's done. You know, and so we, we look at that in Hebrews, the 10th chapter, as we were looking through it, verse, well, the verse we just finished with. And then in verse 13, it says, from here on, expecting that all enemies be made his footstool, for by one offering he has perfected 
There's that. Remember, they said that couldn't perfect the Old Testament saints, but by one offering he has perfected forever them that are sanctified. Whereof the Holy Ghost also is a witness to us that for after that he had said before that this is the covenant. This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my law in their hearts and in their minds. I will write them and their sins and iniquities or the sin and their guilt will I remember no more. Now where there is no remission of these, there is no more offering for sin. It's a done deal. So we see the effects of the shed blood of Christ is reconciliation, it's cleansing, it's sanctification, set apart specifically for God through the blood. It's union with God. Now, like I said, now we're holy. He can come live on the inside of us. That was always his desire. And, and I'm not going to give you all the scriptures now, but we have victory over Satan. Everything has changed. The Old Testament, they got forgiven of their sins. New covenant, all these other things happen. Now we have life. He said, I come that you might have life and that abundantly. Now is he going to give it through the shed blood? And then we can sum this up. I'm going to say the redemption by his blood. That we understand the blessing. Some of the things I mentioned, some of the scriptures I just read. And that we can experience the full power of redemption. The fact that we've been bought out of the marketplace of sin. We're no longer under the tyranny of that devil anymore. We don't have to sin. There is a difference. The Old Testament say they were forgiven of their sins, but their nature wasn't changed. The new covenant, our nature is changed. New creatures in Christ, old things pass away. Now, if we want to sin, we still can. But now, if we don't want to, we don't have to. Ephesians chapter uh, 2, verse 1, starts out, but you were dead in your sins and trespasses. You were dead. And then it goes on to say that we not only listen to the enemy, you know, and went after the desires of the heart, we weren't just thinking about sinning, we fulfilled those desires. That's who we were. But God had to change our nature. That's why, you know, you become a new creature. That's what that was all about. That's what that's about. So the power of redemption lies, as we read in those scriptures, within the power of the blood. The old covenant sacrifice, sacrifice, the one who sacrificed in the old covenant, could only be cleansed in relation to the power of the blood given in the sacrifice. So it only covered him for a while. The sacrifice wasn't made a new creature, like I said. He wasn't made the temple of God. None of that happened by a sacrifice. The new covenant is the perfect blood. It's the innocent blood. It's it, it's it's God's blood. Doesn't doesn't Acts twenty twenty eight say that the church was purchased with or by the blood of God? You know, in the context, you know what he's saying. Watch out, ministers. That is your church. You know what I'm saying? God purchased that church with his own blood. It's his church. I just put you in charge. I'm letting you help me run it, you know. That's another whole story for another time. But look at this. The power of the blood lies in the life that's in it. And, and, and so when, when he gives the blood in Leviticus 17.11, he says he gave it for an atonement so we can be redeemed. Atonement means free from a charge, right? The blood sanctifies. It, it makes holy. It, it, we're consecrated to God there. Separated, I say, keep saying this, from, from profane things. In other words, you take us out of the secular, and now, whether we understand this or not, when we get saved and we're cleansed by the blood, we are no longer, we no longer belong to the secular world. We are now, you know, belong to God's world. Holiness. We are now been set apart for His work. That, that's what he's telling us. Okay? 
And that's what he said, we no longer live for ourselves. Well, when we start, and we're going to break this down next week about how covenant works. When you, when you come into covenant, you no longer live for yourself. If you and I enter into a covenant, it's an equal covenant. And I no longer live for me. We live for us. It's yours is mine. What's mine is yours. You need help. I'm there to help you. I need help. You're there to help me. See, th- th- this is this is you know a change that takes place because of the blood. Because you know we've been made holy. Because we've been set apart for God's work. We have been sanctified. You know, and look look at First Peter one thirteen through sixteen. I, I'm there's just so many scriptures to look at. I'm just. <laughs> what was that? Be holy for I am holy. Okay? Yeah, you already read it. Okay. And let's see here. All right. Be holy for I am holy. I'm going to read the in the next couple of verses. And he says, And if you call on the Father who without respect to persons judges according to every man's work, pass the time of your sojourning here in fear. It's in reverence. For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain, empty way of living, in other words, received by tradition from your father, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. And remember, it says who was fully ordained before the foundation of the world, but it was manifested in these last times for you. For you. Look, look, look at that. And so, so what I'm saying is that if be ye holy, for I am holy. Again, you know the word holy means bright. It means clear, means transparent. Uh, the other word I closest to that is integrity. You know, integrity, uh, reputation is what you do, and everybody knows about integrity is what you do when no one's watching. But a, a simpler understanding of integrity would just doing everything from a sense of God. So if we're holy, then we're going to do everything from a sense of God. We're going to do everything. As far as we understand and as far as we're able to do it with, with purity in mind, because he's holy. So I just wanted to share a few a, a statement here. I, I read this years ago. We will never rise above the God that we worship. If we worship a holy God, then we should fall in line with his holiness. Somebody said, show me your God and I'll show you your people, their people, his people. Or you can say, show me your people and I'll show you their God. You, you ever hear that? And, and so you look at it like this, you know, we're never going to rise a bit above the God that we worship. The Romans God was Ju- Jupiter, a God of brute force. They, they worship Jupiter. Again, a God of brute force. They're the ones that came up with the cross. Supposedly, the worst kind of execution of a criminal ever created, when you look at it step by step of what happens to the body while they're being crucified, while they're hanging on the cross. Read about some of it. Psalms, the 22nd chapter. You know, you'll see some of that. And, and, and so, there... You look at the Romans and you see how cruel they are. In fact, let me say that the cross was so cruel that they, it, no Roman citizen could be crucified. That's probably why Paul didn't get crucified. Cut off the head, okay, but crucified? Roman, Roman citizens thought the cross was so cruel 
they didn't even want to say the word. Show me your people, I'll show you your God. And then, and then we look at look right now. Uh, this is an amazing thing. I was sharing this morning, you know, at the end of the time on the prayer line that there, there are there's an organization you can go and look at the, the bills that are, are coming before the California Assembly. And one of them is infanticide. And in the days of the Romans, you know, they didn't have abortion. They didn't need it. You have a baby, stick it in the alley. Leave it in the alley. Let it die. The value of life. Show me your people. I'll show you your God. Okay, well, what about believers? What about holy people? We shouldn't be involved in anything like that. But we, 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 there's a bill right now that they, they want to push infanticide. In other words, and, and it's covered by a specific word in this bill, which means that, you know, as, uh, the child could die up to, could be put to death or allowed to die up after birth up to so many days. Is it 30? Okay. And so we're, 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 we're seeing that. And, and I show me your people, I show you your God. Well, then, you know what? We look in the Old Testament, and that's the worship of Baal, the sacrificing of the children. That's what's going on now, and I don't want to get too much into it because I want to, you know, refocus on the blood, but the blood makes us holy. So we should reflect who God is in holiness because of the blood that has cleansed us, sanctified us, and set us apart. So we should reflect that. So people should, should, should look at us and say, ah, I know their God. He's a God of redemption, a God of reconciliation, a God of holiness, a God of purity, a God of whole, you know, goodness, a God of love, a God. Are we reflecting that? Anyway, our God's holy. You know they, they had a they had a goddess is Diana. She she was she was uh, so sort of, you know kind of the goddess of love and the priest the priestess of Diana were prostitutes. I mean so it, it falls in line. But God is saying no. He has He has made us a new creatures in Christ Jesus because of the blood. Then we should just get a hold of that. You know I'm holy. No I've been made perfect. And, and quit falling back. Nah, you know, you know, I, I'm, you know, the Bible says that the, the the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. You know, and using that kind of stuff for an excuse. And when we've been told that we have no excuse, but we have a choice, doesn't Paul say you yield your members unto righteousness, subservience? Or if you yield your members unto sin, then you become slaves to it. So it sounds like you're saying you have a choice. Let, let me kind of leave this spot for a minute for the time I have left. Turn, turn to Romans, since I kind of got hung up a little bit on that one. You know, we'll talk more about the power of blood and the corresponding, you know, to the value in it corresponding to the I think to the value of the blood in animals. But in Romans I said fifth the sixth chapter. Look at that for a moment. So there, a change had to take place. And look at and this is going to show some of us what that change is. And of course we'll start off over here and go back to the fifth chapter. And uh, I'll go back to chapter one. I, I don't have the time so but we look at verse 19. For by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. Many. I mean, isn't that, that, that's a gracious word. Many. All, you know. He already said that all of sin comes short of the glory of God. But, and so, by the obedience of one, you know, that's Christ. It says, many shall many be made righteous. And so, then we look at verse 20. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But that, in other words, the law shows us we're sinners, so we know we need to turn to someone who can save us. Galatians is all about that. 
But where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Where did where did sin abound? Where? Everywhere. But specifically, in your heart. You know what's interesting? Mary, chosen to be the mother of Jesus in the incarnation. Her name means rebellion. And where does Jesus, where does God come and plant the seed of Jesus? Right in the midst of rebellion. This is what God does. And he says that sin abounded. Where sin abounded, grace does much more abound. And verse 21, and so a sin has reigned, ruled as king, you know, unto death. Even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. Grace was established as king and it reigned there until that king was overthrown by the king of grace. So now king of grace in this verse 21, it says that grace declares us right with God because of what he's done, hands us over to eternal life. And then verse one says, and what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. No, we're not going to do that. So that, that teaching about, we're teaching about a license, just, just that, that, that's just religion trying to hold on to their religion. God forbid. How shall we that are dead here? This, this is what I was getting to. There's been a change in us. We're dead to sin. So then how can we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? How can we, if we're dead to sin, how can we continue? It's almost like, I don't get it. He goes, have you forgotten? Do you? He says, no, you not. Or no. He's asking, have you forgotten that so many of us that were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? We experienced death with him. And if you experience death with him, therefore we are buried with him by baptism in the death. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we shall walk in newness of life. There is supposed to be a change. And it goes back to that blood that we're cleansed by, the blood that we're made holy by, the blood that we were sanctified by, the blood that we become new creatures by. We died with him. And he's telling us if that really happened, then we should be walking to order our lives or behavior in the newness of life. We should have a new direction. I like the way that the, that the message Bible says, we were raised to a light-filled world, so now we can see where we're going. All because, I mean, I'm trying to tie it in because I'm trying to teach about the power of the blood, and this is what I'm seeing there. When I was sitting back there, this is how it all came to me. I, I know I have notes, but it's just, just been rolling around my spirit. And so, and for, for five, and verse five, and if you have been planted together in the likeness of his death, then we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, knowing this, knowing this, and I think a lot of people don't know this, that our old man is crucified with them. Do, do you know that? Not going to be, is. Present tense, crucified. I was crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet the life I live in the flesh, I live not by my, by my flesh, but I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave covenant, gave himself for me. And he's saying that we are going to live that way. Our old man is crucified. And so... That the body of sin might be, what did he say, destroyed? Can you imagine? Destroyed means to put out a commission. Made ineffective. Kind of like just rubbed out. Anybody ever? <laughs> Robbed of its power and neutralized. And I'm telling you, this is the power of the blood. And, and, and he says over here, and I, now this just kind of woken me up here, getting excited about this, but, but it says it's destroyed. That henceforth we should not serve Sin. If we're dead, then we no longer have correspondence with it. That's what it means. No longer correspondence with it. We, you know, for he that is dead, verse 7, is freed from sin. It, that death that we went through with Jesus because we, because of what he did on the cross, because of the blood that he shed, it says that we, it canceled all obligations for us. So we have no obligation to sin. We have no obligation to the devil. We have no obligation to the influence of this world. We have no, uh, we don't owe them anything. We are now free. That's what he's talking about. That, that's what he, that's what he's, you know, he's saying here. So how shall we 
sin to our heart's content and see how far we can exploit the grace of God since we have been delivered from the power of sin. So we should live an entirely new life, entirely new way. And the Amplified Bible says we've been raised together so that we might habitually live and behave in newness of life. And, And I just wanted to tie that up spot that the old covenant uh, sinner was forgiven. Nothing changed. Look what happened with the new covenant. I just gave you, I mean, we're not just new creatures going to heaven someday. What I just read, that's how we live every day. That's the power of the blood that has changed us and and affected all that. We no longer have to live the way we used to. I'm closing with that. Father, I thank you for tonight. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the eternal sanctifying blood. Thank you that your word is true, Father, that we don't dwell on what we did in the past. The consciousness of sin is only something that the accuser of the brother brings up. But we don't receive it anymore in Jesus' name. Amen. If you enjoyed this and other podcasts from the Connection Community Foursquare Church, be sure to listen in again and subscribe. That way you'll be notified every time a podcast is uploaded. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, God bless.